0: I want to talk to you about something of the complexity and simplicity of life. I like this. There's many complex things about life, uh, you know, um, decisions you need to make that are difficult, and so on, uh, where I've got to go, how I've got to do things. But there is a consideration various places. Bring some simplicity, simplicity to us with razor shark uh, clarity. Come with me to two Peter chapter three. Is that me doing something here? Look at 2 Peter 3. As you're going there, uh, this is um, very late in the life of the Apostle Peter. He has just talked about some of the dangers and particularly the concern about scoffers coming, chapter 3, verse 3. Where is this coming, the perusia of Christ? Where is this coming uh, that you speak of? And everything keeps going on the same way, but the Apostle Peter, verse 7, tells us that the reality is by the word of God the present heaven and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. There is this incredible tone, isn't there, through 2 Peter, and particularly the New Testament, of this sense of serious urgency, uh, the reality of the return of Christ and what all of that means. In the midst of that, with this apologetic for the scoffers, if you like, how do the people he's writing to deal with this problem? He tells them a number of things, but verse 8, he tells them not to forget perspective. Uh, with the Lord, uh, a day is a very different experience. Uh, the uh, thousand years are really only a very brief moment. It hasn't been that long, is effectively what Peter is saying. But then he tells us in verse 9 the reason for the delay. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There's simplicity. Friends, why is the world still turning? It's not so you can work your way through your bucket list of all the experiences I wish I could have in this life and you know, the career that I want to finish off, the sports success that I want to achieve, the marriage that I want to make the very best it can be and all of those things that I want to pursue and experience before I finish this life. It's, it's, it's not so that you can pursue all those things. Why is the Lord holding off and being patient? It's very simple. It's that more people might come to repentance. There's a great simplicity that comes into life. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a real desire for God. The heart of God is that people might be one, that people might be rest out of this, rescued out of this present evil age and come to know the hope and life that's in him. You know, the heart of God is for more, for more people to be one. What kind of lives, therefore, ought we to live? Well, you look there at um, verse 11. What kind of people ought we to be? We ought to live holy and godly lives as we look forward to the day of the God and speed its coming. Godly and holy lives, looking forward to that day and speed its coming by mission, bringing the gospel to all nations and particularly this nation that we're in, this extraordinary place that God has put us in. Sure, there's there's a lot to be said about what we can be doing, but over it all stands this simple truth that the world is held by a thread by the hand of a sovereign, powerful God who is patient and gracious and holding it for more to be rescued, more might be saved. And for the sake particularly of this country, I want to suggest for the 22 million souls who do not know God and have no hope and are facing a Christless eternity under the condemnation, the righteous, patient condemnation of God. Um, The Lord is holding things off. There are lots of things we need to do to reach that community that we're in. The world needs to be reached, but the Lord has put us in this place. There's a lot that we need to do to reach this country um, that we might see grace abound more and more, thanksgiving overflow to the glory of God. There's much more that we need to be doing, but the strategy in all of that raft of things that needs to happen, the strategy of church planting, is one of the key strategies we need to keep adopting and pursuing. The whole purpose of evangelising into existence new communities of people that will be a a centre, a lifeboat for the gospel cause to continue to go further out, to reach more people around that particular place, That is a massively effective and important strategy that we can pursue. Our country, the the percentage of churches in our country is declining against the head of population. We need to reverse that trend dramatically because by it, God will use those that are nurtured by the faith in the word, nurtured by the ministry of the word, gathered together to send us back out and reach more people and win this country for Christ. Now, it's a hard task. Australia is not like many other countries. It's a hard place to do ministry, in. it's like ploughing concrete in many places in our country. It is a hard task. And who is equal to the task? None of us are. Uh, It is only by God in his grace that we can pull it off. And the Lord has given us everything we need. He has given us his powerful word, the word that can break rocks, (laughs) the powerful word of God, the gospel. He's given us that. He's given us his spirit to empower us and enable and strengthen us, and he's given us each other so that in fellowship we might pursue this task, hence Geneva. That's why Geneva exists. We've come together, if you boil it all down, to gather like-minded men and women who are, are seeing the strategic value of church planting to nurture and encourage us in that task across our country, so that we might do more together than we can do alone. I don't know if you've worked this out, but the population of Christians in Australia is actually quite small, which therefore means the number of people thinking about church planting in Australia is even smaller, which therefore means if we do it in our institutions and denominations, the few of us who are pursuing it in our different places, it'll be a very lonely task. Whereas if we can find some way to link across denominations, across networks, to nurture each other with a shared vision of the gospel, reformed evangelical, a commitment to that central activity of proclaiming the word of God, if we can gather together across networks, we can we can build together a body of people who will help each other in the lonely places that we're each in. But more than that, that if we can together come and create a greater energy and profile for this work, we will, under God we trust, attract many more to the task of church planting and see, we trust, hundreds of new churches evangelised into existence. That's all of what Geneva is. It isn't a service organisation. Geneva isn't some organisation designed to just serve you. Geneva is... Uh, really effectively a gathering of the few who are giving themselves to this task that we might help each other in pursuing this path of reaching the country for Christ. So I want to suggest to you as we begin, there's two things to keep in mind, gain and give, gain and give. Gain from your participation together in this thing that we're calling Geneva, which is expressed in this conference these next couple of days, gain from it. Uh, we have a wonderful, blessed opportunity to rub shoulders with men and women who are experienced, who are doing the work, that we can, you can find out how you can be part of it better. You can learn some insights into where you don't go wrong because they've all gone wrong. <laughs> you can do all of that together and be nurtured and encouraged. In that gain, we will, as you, some of you are already experiencing, the, the process of assessment, we'll be able to talk into your lives about whether there's wisdom in you pursuing this path or whether there's other ministries that the Lord is gifting you for that would be wiser to pursue. There's the opportunity to be assessed, Uh, get coaching established that you can be supported in the process of church planting, uh, that you can be part of a network uh, with other like-minded people. There's a lot to be gained and also there's a lot to give. We do want to put it on you that this isn't a service organisation. It's a gathering together which therefore means we want to encourage you as you gain from this to then join in providing it for others, to give. All the assessments that happen in this place are being uh, conducted by planters. There's no employee kind of running all of each assessment. It's planters, people who have been where you are, coming back to help you and give again. And so uh, coaching's the same. If you get a coach appointed through Geneva, it's someone who is a planter investing now, giving back into to see more planting happening. And in fact, if you've been planting for two years, you're now a coach. (laughs) You're an expert. And we need you to start thinking about giving back in. The problem, of course, is that when you're planting a church, you're so busy just making the thing work and happen that it's hard to think bigger. But we want to nurture and encourage that as a culture and mindset amongst us that we gain and give. And by that means we'll multiply and expand and we trust prayerfully under God by his word, see millions of people won to Christ. Now we, um, we have in all of that the intangible power of group, us together. Don't underestimate your participation and the way it can nurture others and help them in this task. That's what we're about.